Well, friends, on last Sunday, we celebrated our 154th church anniversary. Yay! Yeah. And the cake was good, amen? You have, a, that's right, if you got a celebration, you got to have cake. And on next Sunday, we will kick off the celebration to our 155th church anniversary with the tailgate. I hope there'll be cake. And you are all invited, you and your friends, and you are encouraged to please bring a friend and bring the joy of the Lord that you have within. We want to put it out there. We want to put everybody on notice that our celebration is not about us, but about God. Our celebration is not about what we have done, but what God in Christ Jesus has done and continues to do in and through us. Our celebration is about giving God glory. It is just yet another opportunity for us to sing the praises of him who brought us out of darkness into the marvelous light of salvation. So on this World Communion Sunday, when we acknowledge and appeal to unity among the faithful, among all those who claim the name of Christ throughout the world, we join Paul in praise of Christ and in his insistence that we not only learn from Jesus and that we not only believe in him, but that we will join all of creation, all of creation in professing that Jesus Christ is Lord. That Jesus Christ is Lord over all. That Jesus Christ is Lord in all. That Jesus Christ is Lord over our lives. And that Jesus Christ is Lord over the life of this church. That we follow him and that we are called to be a true reflection of him in the world. And y'all, it starts within the church and how we treat each other. We cannot go outside of the walls and talk about Jesus and how to love God if we can't love one another up in here. Come on, think about it. What does it mean to bear the name of Christian? to bear his name, to confess Christ as Lord and Savior. What does it mean to and for our life together to affirm our faith in him and, and, to, and the work God did through him to bring about our redemption? What does it mean to have a seat at the table, a table that we couldn't prepare for ourselves? What, it mean, what does it mean for us to be welcome at the table of salvation? Because of Christ's sacrificial love, what does it mean to be able to come to the table? It ought to mean something powerful, y'all. It ought to mean something that makes a difference in our lives. It ought to mean something that directs and orders our lives. It ought to order the way we think, the way we live, the way we love, the way we show up in the world. The way we show up in the world ought to be grounded in the way of Jesus. When people see us, they ought to get an idea of who Jesus is, what matters to Jesus, and how Jesus is. That is, if we are whose we say that we are, and that Jesus Christ is Lord. You see, that's what Paul is saying to the church at Philippi, that Christ's Messiahship, 
must manifest in their lives and in the life of the church. The same passion, purpose, commitment that Christ had toward us and the world that God loves so much. Those who follow Christ are to have the same passion and purpose and care of others. What God has done in us, for us through Jesus Christ, we ought to be doing for others. What Paul is saying to the church of Philippi, but something is tearing at their unity. Something is messing with their faithfulness to Christ. Something is going wrong at the church of Philippi. And Paul had a special affinity for the church of Philippi. Some dissension, I don't know, some false teaching, some conflict, some quarrelsome behavior. Because if you go back to chapter 4, these two women must be going at it, okay? And maybe they're making the church take sides. I don't know what the problem is. We're not privy to the exact nature, but something is going on and going wrong in that church. And because we have our own experiences with church and church folk, we can easily imagine the types of conflicts and behaviors that might be tearing them asunder. But Paul doesn't focus on their differences. Paul doesn't go into detail about their dissensions but instead focuses on what and who they and by extension we have most in common. That God is for us. That God loves us and in Jesus Christ God has saved us. Paul is saying, I need you to put your mind on that. I need you to think about this. Yeah, 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 but if you would focus... In Colossians, Paul says, think of these things. You know, think of things above. Think of things in the heavens, not below. Put your mind on Christ. We need to elevate our thinking. Because how we think profoundly influences how we live. Last week, we did Romans 12 too. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We have to renew our minds every single day. We need to be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. So when we decide that we're tired, we don't want to be bothered, well, I'm telling you, your mind is going to go with the rest of you. Hmm. I think, therefore, I am. Is that not the philosophical line? So, yes, what you think about, what is going to influence what you talk about and how you act. Paul admonishes the church to be of the same mind and and to have the same love toward one another that Christ has toward them. How can we treat a brother and sister any kind of way? How can we talk about somebody behind their back when Jesus didn't talk about you? How are you going to tear somebody down, scandalize their name? And then come and talk about Jesus Christ as Lord. 
The life of a faith community is to be formed and characterized by the mind of Christ and in his spirit of humility, love, service, and sacrificial obedience. Because you go back to the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus didn't want to go to the cross. If there's another way, God, that we can get this done, let's have it right now, okay? But not my will, but thy will be done. This is what unites us and propels us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That God so loved the world that the world that was already messed up, it was messed up when we got here, Amen. That God so loved this messed up, broken, sinful world that he did what God sent his son into it. Not to, not to condemn it, but to save. It is in this spirit that Paul says that we are to do nothing, nothing, nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. In other words, we are not to jockey for a position. We are not to engage in one-upsmanship or relate to one another from a gotcha mentality. Some of us can't wait to, to get you. Like Christ, we are called to empty ourselves for the greater good of the church body. Like Christ, we are to be obedient and willing to sacrifice in order to carry out God's will in the world. We are to practice humility and to regard others better than ourselves and to look to the interests of others before our own. In other words, I need to be more concerned about you. I mean... Who doesn't like the idea of humility? We like the idea of humility. We recognize it as a virtue, unlike in the ancient world that saw it as weakness. But let's be real. We affirm it more in theory than in practice. <laughs> Some of us are old enough to remember that Mac Davis song. Do you remember the refrain? <laughs> not like one of our members like, no, I'm not that old. <laughs> Oh, Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. I can't wait to look in the mirror because I get better looking each and every day. <laughs> to know me is to love me. I must be a hell of a man. Oh, Lord, it's hard to be humble, but I'm doing the best that I can. <laughs> we laugh, but it is hard to be humble. It is hard to be humble when you think you know more than other people know. It's hard to be humble when we think what we want ought to trump everybody else's, amen? So you're not seeking the interest of others first. It's hard to be humble when we think others are not as smart, not as well-educated, not well-resourced than us, and don't count as much as we do. It's hard to be humble when we pine for glory and seek honor within the body. You, have, you know those that, that member, when you forgot to call their name, they were mad and left the church. Where's grace? And I thought you were doing it to give God glory. This humility, it's hard to be humble. 
when we think we're holier than everybody else. This humility to which Paul refers to is not self-abasement. It's not about putting yourself down and thinking that you are not worthy of God. The unity among the body that Paul refers to does not mean that there are no differences of opinion. That people won't disagree means you won't be disagreeable. John Wesley says, we cannot possibly all think alike, but we can all love alike. Just because I disagree with you doesn't mean that I don't love you. Just because I see it a different way doesn't mean I don't love you. Why you got to yell at me? Love me. What it means is that the body of Christ is united in a spirit of love of servanthood and concern for the common good and for one another and concern for the mission of Christ in the world. Having the same mind that is in Christ Jesus ought to shape not only the internal life of the congregation, the body of Christ, but its relationship with this community. I mean, if Christ could humble himself, if Christ could humble himself, even to death on a cross, and you have, to, you have to know that that was the worst death imaginable in the ancient world. That was for rebels, slaves. If Christ could humble himself, even to death on the cross, so can we as part of his body, right? How can we do any less? Humble thyself in the sight of the Lord. That's what the song tells us. I mean, does our life together, let's ask ourselves, let, and let the Holy Spirit tell us the truth. Amen. Does our life together reflect the mind, the same mind that was in Christ Jesus or not? Come on. Are we looking to the interests of others first, the, the, the children over there, the, the, the older people over there, the, the people over there? Are we looking to the interests of others first or just when it's easy and convenient? Doesn't cost us anything. We ain't got to work at it. It's not really sacrificial love now, is it? Do we look at the interests, do we prioritize the interests of others first? Are we emptying ourselves of what the world puts in us? And you got to admit, the world is putting stuff in us. Uh, your pride, the world is giving you information and, and signs that no, you ought to think more highly of yourself than you are. No, you are all that in a bag of chips. The world is putting us in, but we have to empty more of that out and flush it with the love of grace of God. Are we emptying ourselves so that more and more and more every day, every year that this church exists, we reflect whose we are together in this place? Not individually. Remember, if the finger pop off, the finger going to die. But the whole body. Whole body. The whole body is supposed to show forth Christ. Not just particular parts of the body. 
That's what the world does. The world picks your body apart, right? Oh, she's got a pretty face, but, right? That's not the way the body of Christ is to function. It is the whole body. Because how we are together matters. How we are together is our public witness. We tell people what Jesus is like, what it means to be the church of Jesus Christ. We are called to be imitators of Christ, to emulate him, to engage in the same moves in our lives that characterize his. If Jesus loved the, um, them people, oh, then they're my people too. We're going to love them too. We are to live in a way that allows other people to see Christ in us. Y'all have all seen those marquees where the people say, I would, where the sign says, I would rather see a sermon than hear one. I'd rather see the love of Christ in action than you just tell me, you know, Jesus loves you. I'm praying for you. Now I'm still hungry, but you're praying. Thank you. Do others see in us the goodness of God, the love of God, the encouragement of Christ? Do they see in us consolation? Do they see in us mercy? Do they see in us sacrifice? Do they see in us obedience? Do they see in us just action? Do they see in us forgiveness? When they look at us, the body, is that what they see? Many of you know who Mahatma Gandhi is. Struggle for justice and liberation for his people. He is reported to have said, he's dead, so we don't know. It's just like we, he's reported to have said, I like your Christ. Everybody likes Jesus. You read that Bible, everybody likes it. You like Jesus. He said, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. One commentator tells the story, he is in a hospital waiting room, but his back is, you know, how they set you up in those different seats. And he says that he can overhear a woman who is talking about her church. Her voice was loud and her tone was critical and, and, and her audience was clean to every word she was saying. And we can imagine some of the words that she was saying. We have never done it that way before. I can't imagine why we were doing that. We have always been doing this. I, um, that pastor, I don't know where they came from. I, uh, that, yeah, we know the word. What if people passing by or other people sitting there, what if her comments were someone's only impression of the church of Jesus Christ? Would you go to that church? No. If you're complaining about it, then why the heck should I show up? All right. All right. Yes, right? Go around talking and complaining if you want to. But that's your witness. Nobody wants to come in with crazy and conflict. Don't need to be perfect, just need to be loving. Paul says earlier to the Philippians in chapter one, the chapter right over, that we, 
Those who believe in Jesus, those who speak the name that is above every name, those who know and claim Jesus as Lord of their lives and Savior of their souls, those who claim Jesus as Lord over all creation, that Jesus is in all and through all, then we are to live a life in a manner worthy of the gospel. We are to live a life worthy, worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. A life that beckons people towards salvation and wholeness. A life that demonstrates what it means to stand even in the midst of storm and still keep trusting in the Lord. A life that will give God glory. A life that can say, I can do all things. How can you love that person? Because in Christ who lives me, in me, I can do all things. Friends, we're not supposed to live any kind of way. We can't talk any kind of talk. We cannot just do and say what we want when we want. You know, people say, well, you know, I, I had a mind to do it. Well, baby, you need to change your mind. Let the Lord renew it. As believers, as, as those who are saved, we are to live out our salvation here and now in the world as it is. Yeah, it's hard. It's always been hard. It's a sinful, broken world. It's going to be hard. But Christ has overcome the world. And if Christ is in you and me, we are more than overcomers. We are conquerors. Conquerors. Don't fear nothing. Nobody. I'm good with everybody, whether you love me or not. I'm good because God is good all the time. I woke up this morning. My mind stayed on Jesus. Amen. So when um, Janae called me, I said, girl, I got to turn the music down because I'm going to wake up praising God. I'm going to wake up thanking God. People ask me, Sheila, how you doing? I said, child, I woke up. I'm good. I woke up and I'm clothed in my right mind. I'm good. I woke up and my legs can move. I'm good. I woke up and the people I love are still here. Yeah, I lost my uncle, but he had 86 years. I'm good. I know he's with the Lord and one day I will be there too. I'm good. Hard times don't mean God ain't with me. We can diss those children of Israel if you want to, but we do the same thing. Time we don't have something, we start to go, oh, Lord. <laughs> the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. The Lord will make a way somehow. I don't know how God does what God does, but that's because God is sovereign. And so I just trust in the Lord. And I know that, like David said, I've been young and now I'm kind of old, y'all. And I have never seen the righteous. Begging for bread. So I'm just going to keep on trusting God and lean not to my own understanding. I'm going to keep trusting in God and try to serve his, in his kingdom. I'm going to keep on trusting God and I'm going to live in such a way that God can use me. And I pray that one day that my life might be so that somebody might come to know Jesus and say, well, if God could do something with that one right there. 
<laughs> oh, I know the rest of y'all holy. I'll just tell you about my own self. If God can look at you, that Sheila, that's the same Sheila. Oh, glory to God. If God can do something with her right there, well, I know that God is indeed able. God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly. Amen? Pick me up, turn me around, change my life. Thanks be to God. Friends, as we make a profession of faith, as we confess Jesus Christ as Lord, that means we also join in his life-giving mission to the world. Not about sitting up in here. It is about saving people. It's about bringing people to faith, letting people know Jesus. And to do that, we have to humble ourselves. Our degrees don't mean much. People were getting saved before my PhD. Your social location in a gated community, people were getting saved knowing Christ before we had money. And so it's not about us. It is always about Christ. And thanks be to God, we have the privilege and the honor to share the name of Jesus with the world. Amen? Amen? amen. amen. And amen.